You're listening to the Jazz Matters Podcast. I'm Darren Harper and this is episode 24. Before we dive into our story, there are just a couple of things I'd like to tell you about. Firstly, a reminder about the new Jazz Matters show on Jazz Bites Radio. It's called the London Jazz Review. It goes out every Saturday at 5pm UK time. And each week I take you through some of the highlights of the upcoming week on the London jazz scene. And I also get to share some brilliant new music from London-based artists. It features great jazz music right across the spectrum. So there's something for everybody every week. So make sure you join me every Saturday at jazzbytesradio.com. The second thing I need to tell you about is some very exciting news about our live events. Or more to the point, it's just some news that some exciting news is impending. We've been working hard on a number of plans, including working with a brand new venue, and we are going to have some very exciting announcements coming your way over the next couple of weeks. So make sure you stay tuned to our social media, or you can sign up to our email list at jazzmatters.net and be amongst the first to hear all of our big news. But for now, it's all about a man who is probably the UK's most sought-after guitarist and one of the busiest guys on the scene. I'm talking, of course, about Nigel Price. I first spoke to Nigel about being a guest on the podcast all the way back in July, and four long months later, we finally managed to synchronise our diaries and I managed to interview him at the Toulouse-Lautrec Jazz Club. So our interview may well contain some ambient noises of that busy venue. But first, let's hear some music. This is the man himself, and this is called Janine. Thank you. 
So often, the stories we tell on the podcast start with how people were inspired by the jazz greats and grew up in music-loving families. Of course, some of this may well be true to some extent with Nigel Price, but the fact is he started playing music because at the age of around 11, he and a group of friends just thought it would be fun to start a band. And I cannot pretend to be somewhat amused by the fact that one of the very best and most in-demand guitarists in the land started playing guitar because, well, somebody already had a drum kit and a keyboard. For Nigel, music was all about the social aspect, just making up music to spend some time with his friends. But needless to say, he started to take it seriously and got very, very good at it. By the start of his adult life, he was working professionally, but he was not playing jazz at all. I always had a, uh, a, a kind of interest in jazz, but opportunities present themselves. And there was an opportunity to tour around Europe supporting the Scatterlights, the legendary uh, Jamaican sort of ska jazz outfit. And uh, I, was, I was there. It's, uh, I had a great time. Had a great time, and I'd, there was enough jazz in there to to um, keep it interesting for me. You know, I got solos, which is which is actually quite rare in a sort of non-jazz format. So it was that was all good, and, and I was young. I was young. I really was once. Uh, so it was yeah. It was um, it was great fun. After touring with a number of bands, Nigel eventually turned his attentions firmly to jazz and I guess more importantly, made a decision to drop the bands and go it alone. Something I guess that defined his career and helped keep him extremely busy. I think being in bands can be difficult just inherently difficult because of the politics within bands, you know, the the, uh, the drummers going out with a, the singer or, or whatever. <laughs> um, and it's just, it's actually quite hard to keep something going, you know, something uh, something something on the road uh, because it's 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 not just collective music. There's a, there's a, there's a whole collective sort of organisational sense. And I, I kind of tired of that. A little bit, and I thought, what if I could be just a, like a lone gun, like a, just a hired standalone musician? And, and it, it was, it was, it was kind of pragmatic in a way. I just thought, well, if I could just get good at that, then maybe I could actually go out and, and play without actually being in a band. And uh, and it kind of worked, you know. I, I, I remember those first first early gigs with someone, you know, sort of heard about me or whatever through friends and friends and friends and. And that was it. I was off on my own without having to involve the rest of the band. And I'd go out and have a great time with people I'd never, never met before and might not ever meet again. Like a sort of one night, proper one, proper one night stand, you know. Uh, and it's it just developed from there. I just thought, well, this is this is working. So all I have to do is just stay on top of my game, and maybe things will work out. And things certainly did work out for Nigel, who has appeared on over 50 albums, being a mixture of his own projects and as a guest with countless others, including, of course, Mark Cherry, who we heard from on the podcast just last month. 
Nigel is working continuously and pretty much every two years puts an extensive tour of his own together and has played with some huge names in the biggest and most prestigious venues around. But where does Nigel really get his kicks? Does he relish those huge headline-grabbing opportunities? Or is it more satisfying working on something that you have built up yourself from the ground? It's kind of easy to put something in your CV that looks amazing, you know, like uh, piggybacking on someone else's gig, really. You know, okay, I've supported Gladys Knight at the Abbott Hall, and you know, I work with, uh, I've recorded with Van Morrison, and and and, Ed, and uh, you know, whatever. It, it, it looks great in the CV, but actually, the the real fulfilling stuff is when you turn up to a theatre and it's got your name on the front of the theatre. You've sold the place out, or not, <laughs> as the case may be. But at least you know it's yours. You know you've actually it's, it's something you've forged out of decades of hard work, and treading the boards really. And there's nothing more satisfying than that really. That someone's come to see you, and you're not just involved in a uh, a larger thing. You're not just a bit part in somebody else's play. So it is really satisfying. Nigel describes himself, on social media at least, as a jazz guitar player and armchair activist. He's certainly not the only jazz musician to use their social media to talk about non-music issues that are important to them. But the one issue on which Nigel is probably more vocal than most is music streaming. And it's safe to say he's not a fan. There's no denying that musicians earning 0.0024 of a penny every time someone listens to their music has had a serious impact on the finances of the independent musician, and that cannot be right. But the internet, and streaming in particular, has given many artists a new audience and made it easier than ever to get music out there without the might of a huge label behind you. So what is the answer to what is obviously quite a big problem. Well, music's certainly been devalued since, uh, I, well, you couldn't really put a, an actual date on it, but maybe the sort of mid-90s, uh, mid to late 90s, it's definitely devalued. Record sales have dropped off. Um, and it's made it really difficult out there. Um, of course, streaming came in and initially it was, uh, th th there was no infrastructure, so it was all completely illegal. Um, you know, you had LimeWire and uh, Napster and all those things. Um, and now we're just one step above that, really. You know, it's, you've got uh, uh, Spotify and Apple Music and uh, Deezer and, and all these sort of things, which, which pay a tiny, tiny amount. Um, and if you can get the numbers, you can do okay. Um, and of course, someone like Ed Sheeran can get the numbers, but this is jazz. <laughs> so we ain't, we ain't gonna get a billion streams. It's just not gonna happen. Uh, it, it is a, you could get a lucky touch, maybe if you get on the right playlist or, or whatever. Um, but I think, it's, I think it's fair to recognize that there still is a C CD market. And some people will only buy CDs admittedly a sort of older crowd but that's actually that's the jazz crowd in general it is generally a little bit older so there still is a market there some people only buy CDs some some people will only buy from Amazon that's where they get their music some people will only stream 
and some people will only buy vinyl, maybe, I don't know. Um, so you've just got to cover every base, really. Perhaps if there's, uh, perhaps there's another model coming up in the years to come um, that will remunerate musicians, that's not easy to say, um, a little better. I saw, uh, I saw a list the other day uh, of the first 25 artists to, to reach a billion streams. I think Ed Sheeran had three of those tracks. Bearing in mind a million streams is it's uh, it's about four thousand quid, four or five thousand quid. So he's he's still done all right. It's still you know four hundred to five hundred thousand pounds. I mean, rich is rich. So that doesn't matter when it comes to that stage. But if you're a, an independent artist and people are listening to streaming rather than buying an album, then that's hurt you directly. And once we move away from streaming and look at um, piracy, which is basically giving your giving your CD that you've bought to a mate and then you know and down the line and down the line it goes and of course the, these days it's 100% quality as far down the line as you go then it's a problem it's uh, it, it, it directly affects musicians and it's it, it's a shame but we are where we are right now well Nigel is currently conducting his own little experiment with streaming having recently put together a compilation album from a number of his previous recordings, which has been released on Apple Music and Spotify and is the only Nigel Price-led music that is available for streaming. The album is called The Real Deal, so check it out. And of course, if you like what you hear, then consider buying the full albums direct from his website. Now, as we previously discussed, Nigel has been involved in a countless number of projects throughout his career, some big, some small. But one thing he has always come back to is his own organ trio. This really appears to be Nigel's default and where he is at his most creative. So what is it about this format that gives Nigel so much pleasure? It's just, it's just the music that I love to play and it's, uh, I guess goes back to what we were saying a minute ago that I don't hustle gigs in London I just don't do it I'll treat London the same as I treat anywhere else in the UK and we tour every two years and I literally won't touch London at all because I don't want to wear it out and I, I don't I don't view London as a different entity to everywhere every, anywhere else really so um, yeah it, it just goes on the back burner for a little while of course you know some people want you to play in certain places or festivals and of course we'll We'll always do it. If someone gets in touch with me, then I'm not going to say no. Um, but I don't push it. I don't push it. I just, I just love playing that that style of music in that format. It's it's it's, it's a very immediate thing. There's just there's only three of you, uh, and of course um, Ross Stanley on the organ, absolutely incredible. Or, or, or whoever's you know filling in for you know there's there's, there's some fantastic organ players out there. But just one look one look across the room and you know you've changed the orchestra into the next direction you know um, so it's, it's it's a very immediate very immediate quick sort of thinking thing very high energy so you know it doesn't really drop ever drop of course there's no there's no bass so this it, 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 it never drops for that breather uh, for a bass solo <laughs> sorry bass players
and the Nigel Price organ trio will be going on tour across the UK from September to December 2020 and will also be mixed in with some gigs featuring guitar, piano, bass and drums to put a slightly different slant on the same material. There's already about 20 tour dates in the diary, but there is still room for many more. So keep your eyes peeled for that tour. And if you're putting on live jazz in the UK, then get in touch with Nigel. Outside of performing and recording music, Nigel has also managed to get himself involved in promoting over the years. Some years back, he took over the Swanage Jazz Festival, despite living absolutely nowhere near Swanage. And having passed over the Swanage torch more recently, he has taken over the running of the Shepparton Jazz Club. So why does such a busy guy want to keep taking on more and more commitments? I don't want to take on anything else. I, I, I've, I, I've just noticed over my lifetime, I suppose, and it's, and it's become more apparent over the couple of years, that I can't bear to see anything that's, that's alive and kicking just stop before it's time and, and that was the same with uh, Swanage Jazz Festival I just I was there uh, on the on the year when they when they announced it wasn't going to happen again and, and I just kept on running into scores if not hundreds of people who were absolutely gutted and I thought listen I've got to do something about this Shepparton Jazz Club is exactly the same it was uh, it, uh, it reached the point where uh, Harry and Alan kind of had enough but I don't think everyone else had and it's it's a lot closer to me than Swanage, and I, <laughs> and I just thought, well, how hard can it be? And it, it turns out there's a lot more work than I thought. But well, t- uh, there's a great guy that, who's been helping me. He's a great drummer as well, called Matt Skeeping, and, and he's, he lives in Shepparton. And uh, we just we just clicked immediately, and, and, and he's uh, he's 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 on the team. And, uh, and my mum's been helping as well. But um, until I can find someone else, then it's I, I really do have to be there. And, which is, I'm not saying it's a shame, but I have turned down some stuff to to run the club. I didn't set out to start start a jazz club or, or, or take one over, but it was just an opportunity that came along. And I thought, if I can do something good for the jazz world, keep something going, then there we are. Thank you. 
Thank you.
Hit the Road There by the Nigel Price Organ Trio. Available on the album of the same name or on the new compilation called The Real Deal. Nigel Price really is the real deal and is one of the very best in the business, which is why he is so in demand. If you're not too familiar with his work, I highly recommend you check out more of his stuff and you would be best advised to keep an eye on those announcements regarding that 2020 tour. And that is all we have time for in this episode. My thanks to Nigel for helping put it together and to Nolan at Toulouse-Lautrec Jazz Club in London, just south of the River Thames, for his hospitality during my chat with Nigel. If you love listening to the podcast, then please do take a moment to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, or even just rate Jazz Matters on Google. Or you can just get in touch and let us know what you think and who you would like to hear on future episodes. You can find Nigel Price online at nigelprice.biz and on social media. And as always, I will put the links to those in the podcast show notes for those who are listening on a podcast platform. But that's it for me. Thanks for listening. I'll be back in two weeks.